0: Good morning, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, and guests. My name is Richard Bégin. I'm one of the elders here at Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church. We give thanks to God that we can all be here to worship our Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We welcome all guests worshiping, us with, worshiping with us, and we hope you feel welcome here. We also welcome our guests worshiping via the live stream. Council has the following announcements. Brother John and Sister Liping Zhang have requested to publicly profess their faith. Consistory has met with Brother and Sister Zhang and with gladness is able to uh, accede to their request. If there are no lawful objections, their profession of faith and the baptism of their children Ivy, Andrew and Morgan will take place, the Lord willing, on November 5th, 2023. There's also a reminder that uh, after these second worship service there is a Thanksgiving potluck this afternoon uh, once again after the second worship service this morning's worship will be led by our pastor Reverend Julius Vince Bronson in preparation for worship we will praise our God with the singing of one of the songs sent to the churches for testing its alternate version of Psalm 57 and stanzas 2 4 and 5
1: Let us rise for worship and lift up our hearts to the Lord. We begin this worship service by together confessing our dependence on the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We'll now sing together hymn 55. The song describes. How Christ, our shepherd, guides us with his rod and staff as he leads us through dangers to glory. Hymn 55. We submit our lives to the 10 words of the covenant in Exodus chapter 20, page 61 in the Pew Bible, if you'd like to read along. God speaks all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. that is, your neighbors. Our Lord summarized these Ten Commandments. Someone asked him, what is the great commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We'll now respond. Singing together Psalm 112, stanza one, in which we recognize the value of this law, the blessing of walking in God's commandments. Psalm 112, stanza one. together as we sang Psalm 112, stands the 1, the blessing of the commandments. We also recognize that um, we've sinned against these commands and we'll confess our sins before the Lord in prayer, ask him also for his guidance in our lives by his spirit and his word. Almighty and gracious God, you have made the heavens and the earth. Your glory shines forth in the works of your hand. Your glory shines forth in your word. We thank you, O oh Lord, that we could again spend this time receiving your word in the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words of the Covenant. As we read these words, O oh Lord, commanding us to love you with our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbors, we recognize, O Lord, that this truly describes how you created us, describes the perfection of your kingdom. As we think about your word and we compare our lives to these commandments, Lord, we are saddened by the many ways that we have turned away from you caused harm to our neighbor in our own selfishness made ourselves more important than others And father we confess before you these sins we know that they are the cause of much misery in our lives and father you also know that we hate these sins we hate the effects the consequences sinning against you and our neighbor and we confess our sins before you O Lord we confess them because we want them washed clean we want to be forgiven we want to live according to your word according to your commandments we thank you Father that even as we confess our sins to you your word assures us that this is the reason you sent your son Jesus Christ that he might bear the punishment we deserve for these sins that he might be our righteousness And we thank you father that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven and in Jesus Christ we have peace with you for he is our perfect mediator we thank you father that we may live in this assurance and this peace and this comfort. And we pray that you will guide us by your Spirit who dwells in our hearts, that we may walk in this life with Christ. That you will guide us as we seek to glorify you with all our being. We pray for your blessing over the reading and the proclamation of your holy word. We pray that you will bless those, your servants. They seek to faithfully bring this message, grant them what they need for this task, clarity and conviction, boldness, joy. We ask, Father, that also through the preaching of the gospel, we may be strengthened, hearts may be turned to you, that there may be rejoicing as we together celebrate and give thanks for your love for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For several months, we've been looking at 2 Timothy. This uh, t- Today is the, we'll look at the last part of that letter, 2 Timothy, and in connection with that, we'll read together Colossians chapter 4. If you see, when we get to 2 Timothy, you'll see it gives us a window into some of the background work of what was happening in the early church after Christ's ascension. Servants being sent to different places to serve in different ways. And Colossians 4 also gives us a picture and gives us an introduction to some of the names that are also mentioned in our text. Colossians 4 can be found on page 985 in the Pew Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, and to Nympha, and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. As so for the reading of Holy Scripture, may the Lord bless it to our lives. Before we read the text, we'll sing together Psalm 22, stanzas 7 and 8. And this psalm speaks, uh, it's a psalm, a messianic psalm that points to the Lord Jesus as he also in his suffering. Part of that psalm speaks of being set free from the lion's mouth, which Paul is probably referring to in 2 Timothy 4 as well, that God rescues us from the lion's mouth so that we may tell of the name of the Lord to our brothers. Psalm 22, we'll sing stanzas 7 and 8. together the text of the message this morning which is 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verses 9 to 22. It's on page 996. The context of all that we read, how the Lord equips his church, gives instruction for the leaders, warns of godliness, urges us to love the appearing of Jesus Christ As we look forward to the crown of righteousness. Then we read in 2 Timothy 4 verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did you ever wonder how the mission work of the apostles and the evangelists compares to the efforts of the church today? The final verses of 2 Timothy serve as a window into early church mission work. And they reveal that mission work back in Paul's days may not have looked very different from the work being done today. And this is because in whatever age, or whatever country, or whatever language, mission work may be taking place, it is always the ascended Lord Jesus Christ who is gathering his church with the same message of the gospel entrusted to people who face many of the same struggles and temptations the consequence of the fall, and the opposition of the devil. If you look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 17, you can see how this text shows us that it was the Lord Jesus Christ who is the, the primary actor. The Lord Jesus Christ who chose Paul as his instrument. If you read Acts 9, verse 15, you could see the Lord Jesus giving this commission, telling Paul he is his chosen instrument to bring, uh, to bring Christ's name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And Paul is referring to this again, this commission in 2 Timothy 4, verse 17, claiming or sh- explaining that it was Christ himself who was leading Paul to proclaim the message that was to reach the ears of all nations before Christ's return. The Catechism class, we looked at this in in Matthew 24, verse 14, and then again in the Great Commission. Christ, the commander, who is gathering, defending, and preserving his church, can be compared to a chess player who moves the different places or the different pieces to their appointed places. He is the one who is bringing heralds of the gospel to his chosen hearers according to God's eternal plan. And that means if you are here today, if you're hearing the gospel, you can give praise to the Lord Jesus Christ for the opportunity. For it was the Lord who made that happen. And we praise the Lord for his grace and his mercy to us. And the interesting thing is that Although God is able to speak directly into our lives in his infinite wisdom, God decided to use human instruments for his work. And that also comes up very clearly in our text. Christ Jesus is doing wonderful things in the world through weak and frail people who themselves are tempted by sins. People who need companionship in the final hours of their lives. People who need cloaks to keep them warm in the winter. People who need books and parchments. People who need to be told where to go to serve in the kingdom. People who were hurt by deserters and opposition. People who need to be delivered from evil and brought safely into Christ's heavenly kingdom. People who worship together, who greet one another. People like you and I who have received that upward call from God to serve in his kingdom in different ways. Christ is working in this world through his church, through you and I who are members of his church, members of this congregation. In spite of our weaknesses and our physical needs, God continues to use instruments in his hands, and we rejoice to be a part of this church-gathering work. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, the Lord uses people as instruments to bring his chosen ones into his heavenly kingdom. We'll see that the Lord stands by his church to give strength. He delivers his church from the evil one, and he safely brings his church to his heavenly kingdom, to, to glory. Since Christ Jesus uses people as instruments, he also needs to ensure that they receive the extra support they need because they are human beings. Sometimes in our businesses we may have the, the same thing. When we hire someone we know will need extra training or might need extra Oversight. People can do the, the job that Christ gives, the ministry that God gives, but they need His special care. And the gospel message of our text is that Jesus Christ knows about our special needs as sinful human instruments. And we can count on Him to, to stand by us, like Paul said, to strengthen us, to equip us for our task. And the final Verses of a second letter to Timothy, Paul revealed that he needed other people around him to help him in his ministry. And two times, and you can notice it's at verse nine, and then again, at verse 21, kind of enveloping this entire passage, this passage, the apostle asks Timothy to do his best to come to him soon. Paul used the word soon." He used the word "before winter. Because he knew that he himself would soon be martyred. We read about that. He was talking about his life being poured out as a drink offering. The first reason he gives for this request that he makes in verse 9 is in verse 10. You can see his explanation. He says, "For," And then he says why he wants Timothy to come to him. For most of the people that were with him had left. And only Luke, the beloved doctor, the physician who had traveled with him on his many journeys, was there beside him in Rome. Now whether it was because Paul felt lonely or because he wanted to pass on the torch of administration to his spiritual son, it was clear that Paul wanted, Paul needed Timothy to come to his side. We think about that. We see that the people that Christ uses as his instruments need companionship. They need support from one another. And Paul could ask for this pastoral care without shame because he knew that giving assistance and receiving support is a privilege of belonging to the family of God. May God help us to see how Christ continues to use each one of us to give strength to others in the church so that we invite them into our lives to give us support and we're also willing to provide support to those who ask. We see this, that Paul was also very realistic in understanding that there were people who could not help him because they had been sent by the Lord to other places. We all have different responsibilities, just as Crescens, a man unknown to us, went to Galatia, and Titus went to Dalmatia, which is near Nicopolis, where Paul had sent him earlier, you can see that in Titus 3, verse 12, so we cannot always be everywhere at the same time, there are different ways to serve in God's kingdom. And you can see that very clearly in our text as well. In order for Timothy to come to Rome to see Paul, Paul had to send Tychicus to fill in for Timothy in Ephesus, which meant that there would be a vacancy in Rome, which probably explains why Paul asked Timothy to bring Mark with him. Timothy, verse 11, was to come To give Paul company, he called Timothy to me. But Mark was to come, we read, because he was very useful to Paul for ministry. And since Luke the doctor was with Paul and able to care for his physical needs, the ministry that Paul had in mind for Mark seems to have been related to the proclamation of the gospel somewhere else in Rome. And perhaps even to those we read about in the end of verse 21 who were part of the church in Rome. As in Paul's day, so also today we see it takes significant cooperation and taking turns with different responsibilities to ensure that all God's people are blessed with the evidence of Christ standing by them to strengthen them. And you could think, for example, of of the taking turns serving on committees in a church or serving in the special offices. Christ can be seen standing by us through the actual involvement and the sacrifices of regular people. You who are hearing this again this morning, have you taken your turn in this strengthening work? Christ uses people as instruments in his kingdom expansion. You, the person hearing this today, have taken that time in the midst of your busy life. Sometimes people speak of the 80-20 rule, 20% of the able people doing 80% of the work. That's not something we're proud of, it's an observation, something we're eager to move beyond as a congregation. Well, besides preaching and pastoral care, The Lord Jesus also gives strength to His servants by providing the physical needs of all those whom He has called to service in His church-gathering work. Our physical well-being is closely related to our spiritual calling. And the Holy Spirit reveals this to us in our text when He records that Paul, in verse 12, or 13, verse 13, where Paul is asking for his cloak that he left with Carpus at Troas and the books and above all, the parchments, which most scholars agree seem to refer to copies of the Old Testament and and perhaps some parts of the the New Test, what is now called the New Testament. For some reason, and it's possibly a result of what we read in verse 14, that Alexander had done some harm, Paul had had to leave some things behind in his travels in Troas. But now as his time in prison continued and winter was drawing near, he, he wanted them back with him. He, he needed his coat. He wanted his books. The people that Christ Jesus uses are humans with human needs. The ministry is entrusted to people who need companionship in their last days, who need cloaks to keep their bodies warm and books and parchments, probably the scriptures, available for reading. And those readers in our midst may appreciate that for Paul, having something to read and study is as important as keeping warm. Although we may know that Christ is with us by his grace and spirit, that he helps us to fulfill our our tasks that we have been ordained for in his church-gathering work, It's still a wonderful blessing when God's people can see that Christ is standing by them when he attends to our physical needs, showing mercy. And we think of the ministry of mercy in the church, the work of the deacons that we're involved in. As we are assured of Christ's standing by us, Christ's presence with us, that we can see in these very ordinary ways of companionship and pastoral and diaconal care. We can also be sure that the Lord who stands by us will deliver us from the evil one. This is another theme that Paul touches on in the last verses of 2 Timothy. In his church gathering work, our Lord uses people who need to be protected from giving in to the temptations of the world. We can read about Paul dealing with that in, in verse 10. Already at the very beginning of the spread of the gospel to the Gentile world, the church encountered the disappointment of preachers, of Christians who deserted their calling. Demas, who was probably known to Timothy as a fellow servant with Paul, we read about him, In Colossians 4, verse 14, and you can also read about him in Philemon, verse 24, Demas was such a man. And as God's people who have had to see several members of of the congregation turning away from the Lord, we can understand the sorrow that the apostle experienced. A fellow soldier, a fellow servant with him, now loving the world more than the appearing of Jesus Christ. When a person does not have the Holy Spirit in their hearts, not even one of the most famous apostles can prevent them from giving in to temptations that the evil one sets before them in this present world. Only the Lord himself can rescue us from every evil deed. Paul recognizes that about himself in chapter 4, verse 18 and he does this to us and for us not only by naming the deserter so that we can learn not to treat them as a friend and accompany them into temptations but also warning us that we cannot be in love with the appearing of Christ and with the world at the same time you could see this warning also in 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 by keeping us Apart from the world, the Lord answers those who pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And brothers and sisters, as we consider this this danger, we are reminded again of of how important it is that in our lives that love of the appearing of Christ, that drawing near to, to God and His holiness through His Word, is so very important, a very practical way in our lives. The second danger that our Lord Jesus rescues us from is the harm that is caused by those who oppose the message of the gospel. Besides the desertion of a friend, Paul also suffered from Alexander the coppersmith who did Paul great harm. That's in verse 14, and you can also read about him in 1 Timothy 1, verse 20. Either by or in addition to strongly opposing the apostolic message that was being proclaimed by the Gentiles, Alexander strongly opposed Paul. And the words that Paul uses speak to a a judicial system pointing to accusations that were made against Paul in the Roman courts, similar to what the Jews did against Jesus when they brought him to Pilate. Although the Lord was standing by Paul to strengthen him, we note that he did not rescue Paul from, from all the harm that was caused. And yet the apostle could find comfort in the knowledge that we read in verse 14 that the Lord would repay Alexander according to his deeds. And we read from Romans 12 verses 18 and following that he does this in his time and in his way. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Well, those whom the Lord is bringing into His heavenly kingdom, who who face opposition, can find comfort and encouragement in the certain knowledge that the devil cannot win. There is a day that will come where there will be judgment and and the, the Holy Lord Himself will repay those who sin against Him. He will rescue us from the lion's mouth probably making a connection to the language of Psalm 22 that we we sang together, which foreshadowed Christ's suffering on the cross with all his his enemies around him. The Holy Spirit compares persecution and opposition to the lion's mouth. And his word to the church is, beware. He says, beware of him yourself in verse 15. That's the third danger that Christ delivers us from is the danger of being naive. Naive, that leads us to fearful desertion of those who are put on trial. When no one came to stand by Paul in his first defense, probably his preliminary hearing during this final imprisonment, and all deserted him, Paul prayed that God might not charge that cowardice against them. The sin of Fearing to defend a righteous man is different than the sin of outright opposition to the message through prosecution, like Alexander was doing. And yet we see that it is a, something that, is, that Paul prayed for. May it not be held against him. It's a sin that we need to repent from, that, that cowardice. And we strive to deny ourselves to follow Jesus Christ even unto death. the Lord protects us from that danger by telling us as his church to to beware, to, to be aware, to be ready, to not be surprised by what is happening around us. The church of Jesus Christ can expect frightening opposition from the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, trying to intimidate The people of God with the threat of death because they follow the hated Jesus Christ. And we see this when you receive reports from around the world of the number of persecutions. Last night again, we could hear from the churches in India where there's so much persecution, so many accusations, and the hundreds even ministers being killed because of their preaching. Beware, says our Lord Jesus Christ. Beware, but trust in Christ. He will bring His church safely into His heavenly kingdom. All His chosen ones will stand there before the Lord. All those who love His appearing more than the world will draw near and experience the peace that Christ has obtained for us. Those who oppose, those who stand courageously In the defense of fellow Christians, those who who consider the outcome of opposing the message, those who, who do not give in to temptations can know we will be brought safely into the heavenly kingdom. God's church operates with a different perspective than the rest of the world because we are always able to see that although today we stand out like lights in the darkness of a crooked and twisted generation doomed for destruction, our citizenship is in heaven. God's chosen ones are are united to the ascended Lord Jesus Christ who is overseeing all things in the world by his power. And so we are united to one another as citizens. Of the same kingdom being used as so many chess pieces on the board of earth to cooperate together in Christ's church gathering work. And the Holy Spirit has has given us the final verses of 2 Timothy to give us a window into how the Lord is bringing his chosen ones into his heavenly kingdom. And once again, we can see that every Christian is a part of his plan as we cooperate together. If you look at those those final verses and you consider what we already looked at, we can see that the Lord uses our cooperation to safely bring us together into his heavenly kingdom. We could see that in the administrative tasks of sending workers to different places depending on their gifts and strengths. We can see that in reporting on the activities of the workers that the different churches sent out. He he reports in verse 20 about Erastus and about Trophimus, two men who were probably from Ephesus, in order that the resources are, are used as efficiently as possible. And different care can be given to all the different churches. The Holy Spirit brings people to serve on boards and committees who can gather and share information about Christ's church gathering work with, with all God's peoples. And we see that today as well when, when such gatherings as the International Conference of Reformed Churches, or NAPARC, to a certain extent, also the Canadian Reform Mission Association. We see that ongoing work of the Spirit helping congregations to participate in the work of Jesus Christ who is sending out faithful heralds of his gospel to the ends of the earth. We see that our involvement through our regular prayers, through our financial support, through our engagement as we read the reports that the Lord gives to us from these servants. Well, such cooperation Together leads to the sweet experience of extending formal Christian greetings to one another. You see, at the end of every letter, Paul extends Christian greetings. He's he's bringing Christians of different places together through this greeting. Something that's reserved only for those who share in the faith. Paul rejoices in the fellowship by greeting Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus who were to be recognized as faithful servants among the Ephesians and and he greets them with an apostolic commendation just like he warned them about Alexander and Demas he also said look at these brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ greet them he also passes on greetings from the brothers and sisters in Rome, probably especially mentioning the names of the woman named Claudia and the three men, Eubulus, Pudens, and Linus. And Linus may, is said by one of the historians to be the first bishop of Rome after Peter and Paul. And he mentions them by name probably because they were known particularly to Timothy who had spent some time in Rome with Paul. These greetings can be seen as pilgrims recognizing one another on, on the journey to the promised land. We take different pathways as we go to the promised land in the hope of Jesus Christ. and We meet each other on the way and, and, we, and we wave and, and we smile in joy to see as we know that we're serving the same Lord. These greetings can be compared to soldiers who are are in the war, who are serving the the same victorious king, meeting each other in the midst of the fight and and saluting one another, maybe with a smile to know you were working together. It's like fellow countrymen giving a wave of encouragement along the way, or family members who, who embrace one another when they come into contact with each other. And even in today's world of of instant video communication, we could still recognize the the significance, the the power of these expressions of unity and love and the joy that we feel when when we receive Christian greetings. Sometimes we have special events and and some time is taken to read letters sent to us from from churches with whom we have fellowship. The power of... Of that message the power of the knowledge of knowing that we are able to greet one another in the Lord Jesus Christ that happens internationally we see the joy of Christ bringing all his chosen ones to himself to heavenly glory the greetings serve as a desperately needed sign of solidarity with fellow Christians as we together fight and the struggle of this life. And when these greetings come from far and wide in the unity of true faith and confession, we get a foretaste of the glory of heaven as it stands open before us in Jesus Christ, our Savior and King. We'll see it. People we've never met while we lived here on the earth, now joined together, celebrating greetings, standing together under the blessing of of Jesus Christ, a picture of the Lord who stood by his church to strengthen her, the Lord who delivers his church from the evil one, then one day bringing together all those whom he has gathered safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's a wonderful picture, brothers and sisters, that that we can cling to in our mind like a baby being, being nursed by a mother who's swaddled in her warm blanket and brought safely to bed at night. So our faithful father carries us close to his chest to, to, through, the, through the hardship to the glory. The picture leads the apostle to, to burst out in praise even before he, he gets to the end. Verse 18, he says, To him be the glory forever." and ever amen dear fellow Christian the Lord who used people as his instruments in his church gathering work he will receive the glory that you so greatly desire for him to receive he will receive glory in punishing those who persist in rebellion against him he will receive glory from the chosen ones he he safely brings into his heavenly kingdom And until he comes, he will receive glory from us, those whom he is gathering and defending and preserving as he places his blessing upon every one of us, every one of you, all God's people together. And the blessing at the very end is divided in two parts. The first, individually, the Lord be with your spirit, the individual or the singular you, and then grace be with you as God's people Together, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. We'll now sing together some portions of the Lord's Prayer that Paul was clearly referring to when he speaks about being delivered from the evil one, rescued, delivered from the evil one. Also warning against the temptations that we have in the Lord's Prayer. So hymn 63... Uh, verses 7 and 8 is the the prayer of the church uh, together. We'll sing this prayer standing if you're able to stand. Father, in Jesus Christ, thank you for the privilege of knowing that we are your children, that you are with us as our Lord, our Master, and that as we seek to fulfill our calling, our ministry in your kingdom, that you strengthen us. As we draw near to you, you deliver us from the evil one, and that you also give us the privilege of having a foretaste of your heavenly kingdom already now, as your gospel is preached all over the world. We praise you, Lord, for the growth of the kingdom, the number of those who hear the gospel. Continues to increase. Though we know there are still millions who have not heard the gospel, we pray, Father, that you will bless the churches as they seek to to continue the work that we could already see the days of Paul, the apostles. We ask, Lord, that you will bless. The workers in different places that we as a congregation support in different ways. As the gospel goes out in Papua New Guinea and in Brazil, Mexico, and Cuba, Asia, Pacific Asia, Philippines as well. We see, O oh Lord, your gospel being proclaimed we pray that you will grant those who proclaim it much all that they need in this work especially with those who are facing much persecution in the preaching of the gospel we pray O Lord for the international work of word and deed Middle East reform fellowship Canadian reform world relief fund we pray for this support that is given to fellow faithful churches and international and continental conferences, Reformed Presbyterian churches. We ask, Father, that as we seek to support and encourage one another, we may be faithful in this task, just as Paul himself was seeking to see that growth we ask father that you will also bless the preaching of the gospel in our own country domestic outreach and evangelism pray for the work of the Edmonton mission board Darren Versteg as he is out in our city meeting with different people sharing the gospel pray that that may bear much fruit that he may also experience the support he needs from from us as a congregation We pray for the preaching of the gospel in Prince George, in different places in Manitoba, in Niverville, Hamilton, Smithers, Lower Mainland. Lord, in all these different ways that the churches are seeking to reach out, we pray for your blessing. We ask, Father, that as we, we also proclaim this gospel, that we may cling to it with strong conviction, trusting in you for all things, seeing that you are our Father in your sovereign grace. We ask, Father, that you will be with us as a congregation as we seek to support and encourage one another. Again, this day we must mourn as the withdrawal of Caleb Smetting's effect has withdrawn. Lord, we pray that you will have mercy on his soul, You will have mercy on his life, that he may turn to you again with an eager heart. Lord, help him to see the riches of the gospel, to walk in your ways faithfully. We ask, O Lord, that you will also be with those in our congregation who are suffering as a result of mental disorders and injuries. And illnesses of different kinds Lord you know our needs you see us in our frailty and you, you care you are God who stands beside us to give us strength we pray O oh Lord that you will be with our sister Alice Bosch the surgery that is scheduled for this week we pray that it may take place on the day appointed for it and that you will bless the doctors and the nurses as they care for her, and that it may have the desired results to grant her relief. Lord, we know our lives are in your hands, and that we do not need to be afraid. And we thank you, Father, that also Ralph and Alice may live in this assurance. We pray that you will be with Sister Dita Malifsta as well. We ask, Father, that you will grant her what she needs as she continues daily struggle, again spending a night in the hospital. We thank you for bringing her back. We ask that you will comfort and encourage her each and every day. She may experience also the love for brothers and sisters around her. We thank you, O Lord, that uh, Corny and Dita's son Jay could return home from the hospital. The cancer could also be declared to be in remission. We pray that you will be near to him now as he is regaining health and strength again, and Lord. We realize our dependence on you. We pray that, as we also give our gifts to you this af- this this day, that they may seek, that they may serve the furtherance of your kingdom. They may help in the ministry of mercy, that they may encourage and strengthen those who need that. We thank you, Father, that uh, we can also rejoice together with Luke Van Bossel and. Asia Duker, who could recently be engaged. We pray that you will bless them in this time of uh, preparation for their wedding. We thank you for bringing them together. And that we pray that this too, their lives together, may be a testament of testimony to your faithfulness and may resound in much thanksgiving to you. We pray these things, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.